Hello, you're listening to the Talking Spirit Anime Cast. My name is Andrew, and I'm joined here with Chris. Yo! Today's episode is our third part of our spring 2017 anime season reviews. Are we done yet? It's going to be done with this one. We'll finally okay. be able to move on. We're from the TalkingSpirit.com website. You can go there for our news reviews, coverage of noodle and anime, as well as our wonderful community informally stop, social media links on the right side, and all that good stuff. But yes, tier today, as we always do, our goal is to tell you why is Moe so Moe? What's the good shows? What's the bad shows? And of course, the thing that all women want to know, why is Chris barking asleep? Probably because there's a cat running by. Good answer. Good answer. <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> Don't we all bark when cats run by while we're sleeping? No, right? Gosh. You'd <laughs> be crazy not to. But anyways, today we have Kato, the right answer, Alice and Zoroku, Sugumomo, Grand Blue Fantasy, the animation, Sukiga Kirai, or Kide, sorry, uh, is it wrong to pick up, uh, is it wrong to try and pick up girls in a dungeon, Sword Auditoria, and Roommate. Yes. Of all those, I know you're wanting to know about Roommate, but I'm leaving it at the very end because I want you guys to listen to the rest of this. So, <laughs> just just hang with us a little well, bit Well, Roommate has the most to spoil. Yes, that is true. <laughs> we have to get in the nitty-gritty of that one, so we will eventually. Uh, but first, we're going to jump into Kato, the right answer. Are you ready, Chris? It's the wrong answer. It's the wrong answer? Yeah. No, they talked about the wrong answer in there, but it's not the wrong answer. <laughs> uh, the Japanese title is Saikaisuru Kato. And it's been streaming on Crunchyroll, ran for 12 episodes, plus an episode zero. Uh, the studio is Toei Animation. The source is an original, and the genres is sci-fi. Uh, but yeah, when we were talking about the first impressions and the preview of this whole thing, this was supposed to be Toei Animation's attempt to make a full-length TV original series with CGI. So their whole attempt is to kind of counter the idea that, you know, you can't make a really good show CG and have it look... or the i the the mis the the concept that most people don't like CG anime they're trying to kind of blend the, between the two of them by making a full CG show with kind of a 2D effect to it. Um, I don't think they fully managed to pull that off, but we'll get more into that in a minute. But anyways, Kato, the right answer basically at the beginning follows Shindo, and in episode zero you kind of follow Shindo in his normal life. He just he works for the government. He is the this is a really long title. Where is it at? Uh, I have it in the story notes. Cabinet Officer or Cabinet Office Director General of for Policy Planning. <laughs> and what that basically allows him to do in the that zero episode is that he goes to these locations that they want to. Uh, they specifically want to build something in this one location, so he goes there and tries to uh, negotiate uh, something with the owners to try to get them to give up the land where both sides kind of win from the situation. It's not trying to kick them off. It's kind of saying, hey, well, we'll give you this if you you know, move away from here or, or close the business so we can build something here. So you kind of see his work as a negotiator. He's seen as a very uh, powerful or very good negotiator, so they always kind of go with him to negotiate certain things. But anyways, as the, that closes the, the Zero episode, going into the first episode of, of Cut of the Rhinocer, we kind of jump right into he's taking a flight trip somewhere, and as he's taking that flight trip... Uh, or before they even take off, this gigantic cube appears out of nowhere above the skies of Tokyo and just lands right on top of the plane that he's in on the airstrip. And uh, he's kind of, they're kind of consumed inside this cube. And what we kind of find out is that this cube is called Kato and is controlled by this uh, alien, it seems like an alien uh, person named uh, Zashun, Zashunina, <laughs> I've butchered that many times. 
And Zasuzina kind of just comes to uh, humans saying, hey, I want to... Uh, I want to enlighten you, basically. I have these things I want to enlighten you with. And he uses Shindo as kind of a proxy to the rest of the world, namely, you know, Tokyo for now, but they kind of communicate to the rest of the world eventually uh, in kind of, you know, offering off these kind of knowledges that uh, Zashunina has and uh, kind of trying to figure out what his what's his goal, what is his his desires, why is he here, why is he giving humanity these things, how humanity... Uh, utilizes these particular things that he is gifting them with, and uh, all the while Shindo trying to, you know, be the middleman between the two sides. So yeah, that's uh, this that's the gist of kind of the right answer. I don't want to dig too much into it, just because I really think this is a show that people should see as blind as possible. Uh, but yeah, this is a to kind of get it out of the way. Yes, this is full CG. I think they did a good job with it. I, I think it's one of the better ones. I think this would be the same group that worked with uh, um, Expel from Paradise. So it does have the difficulties that Expel from Paradise does. Every now and then it looks stiff. Uh, more so with this one, you have an issue with they use a lot of 2D characters because it's a big cast. And it has a lot of public people. And as we kind of talked about with the CGI podcast, a lot of this cost saving, which is kind of funny to think about, cost saving the scenario is not rendering every single civilian and every single government worker. They just kind of only choose to CG render the main cast and everybody else background characters are all still 2D, which is kind of it was a little off putting at first, but I kind of got used to it and I didn't think it was that big of a deal. I think overall it looked like a good show and I think it was a good idea to use CGI because there was a lot of moments in the show, especially with Kato, <laughs> the big gigantic cube, that the CG really did help. There was like this whole scenario where the cube had to move and it looked pretty spectacular. I think I think most of the show looked good despite being CGI. But I think what adds to the visuals of the show was definitely the directing with the thematic, like a theatrical feel to the show. It has the music kind of ramps in a lot of the scenes. It feels very like a movie theater kind of experience or a movie experience. That is the best way I can put it. One of the latter uh, things that they dealt with was an object that probably would have been pretty psychedelic <laughs> well the last two things were pretty psychedelic well yeah, yeah i was thinking about the the yeah yeah mm -hmm. and i, I was thinking I, about the the brain thing yeah the yeah. the other thing i i was thinking <laughs> that, that thing, thing that thing you know that thing yeah that thing <laughs> i was thinking that 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 thing was going to probably be more in in the lines that they would have cg'd it and having having the entire ca the entire show being cg probably just kind of worked well with that um i think that this show kind of had a slow start and it, at a certain point it started delving on certain ideas and i was like wow that's kind of an interesting thing and then it kind of fell back into the slow slump and at some point um a particular episode happened and it started balancing between the idea of accepting um let, let's just say accepting the advances that uh, Zashuina uh, was uh, presenting before the humans and accepting what is their lives as themselves, what is what what is uniquely human or uniquely Japanese in particular in this this case. And it, it kind of balanced between what what um, 
tradition versus advancement. And, and I think that that was kind of the, if I got nothing else out of this show, that's probably what I got the most out of. And I think that they, they did that really well. Um, so besides the few slow spots, I, I really did come away very surprised and happy with what I got out of this show. I am absolutely, absolutely in love with the show. I think this show is probably one of my favorite of the year. Um, it started out incredibly powerful for me. I did not have a problem with slump or anything like that. I think it, what this show excels at, and it's going to be hit or miss for most people, is it excels at not giving you too much. Like, the very beginning, you're introduced to this Shashina guy, and he's, you know, you think he's maybe some kind of alien or something like that. Why is he here? What is he kind of offering? And how how is mankind going to react to these things that he's offering? And what it was doing the entire time was like it was this constant sense of intrigue and I'm intrigued by what it's doing. I'm I'm interested in what's going to come up next and it constantly was surprising me. But it was doing it at a very uh, a slower pace than what most people might like. I thought it was a perfect pace. It was just a nut it was just kind of like, I want to know more. 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 And then I'll do these really impactful moments that just kind of, if I was sitting in a chair, probably knock me off the chair. I think the show excels at intrigue. And that is something that I love throughout the entire thing of it, was it was constantly causing me to question and and presenting things in a way that I think was, uh, for me, was causing me to actually... Uh, consider what would I think if this was on television? Like, there's, there's a particular point which something is like present is presented, in, and the way they directed is they directed it that you would see a television show, and it's presenting to the viewers in the show, or or the 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 citizens of that world of of this particular show. Uh, this is this is this broadcast. Choose to watch it or not. And that's all I'll really say about it. But it was cool because it immediately made me question, would I continue watching it? What ramifications will come from it? I even I even made a, a Twitter poll asking people, and it sucks because I don't think many people responded to it because I'm not sure if any many people were actually watching the show. Um, but it was it was I was the question was, would you have continued watching this? Knowing that there's something that's going to change, would you watch it? And that was really, really fascinating to me. All the things that this was kind of presenting. Uh, what mankind would do with certain things, uh, what would it mean for people, how does the world react, all those things were things that were truly making me just fascinated with the show. And add to that, they did some really excellent job in directing certain scenes. Uh, there was certain scenes that were really, really amazingly presented. I, I just cannot say enough how much I love this show, and I think that anybody should at least give this a few episodes to see if that if that intrigue strikes you as well, I think it's totally worth it. I will agree with Chris on one point. Yes, towards the later parts, it started kind of losing that intrigue for me, and it was really the point in which it kind of starts revealing what the bigger picture is. What is this? What is this final goal of the players at hand? I I almost thought that it was going to lose me. Like I'm like, eh, I'm not sure if this this does kind of feel a little bit typical. But I don't really, I, I, it's not that that's, that's a bad thing, but it kind of, and I was like, I'm not sure if this is going to stick the landing for the ending. And sure enough, it does something at the very end that I was like, I didn't see that coming. I like that. I, that I, was a cool ending. I, I want to admit, I the ending had kind of this cool little double twist that was like, 
I, I'm still a little mixed on the ultimate ending, but <laughs> the double t- twist was really kind of cool. So, yeah. But it was cool because even even in the ending, it. I'm trying to. I'm figuring out how to say this without spoiling anything. <laughs> yeah, there's something about the ending that is like oh, that kind of. I don't like how that kind of happened, but it kind of leaves this little thing to make you go. But everything is daijobu, actually, technically, in a certain way. So it's like I like that kind of element. It's not completely left unanswered. You can you can truly draw a conclusion, and I really like that. So. A uh, lot of uh, I I just loved it. I, I I cannot recommend the show enough. I'm going to continue to gush over it. Um, but like I said, all the what ifs, all of the 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 questions that it kind of presented, it all the intrigue, all the uh, the things that make you kind of question what would the real world really kind of react to something like this is is that kind of stuff that I'm really kind of fascinated with. And the show just really excelled at presenting all those things very well. Um, I don't so, yeah. think the writer has a lot of love for the UN. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody does, Chris. Well, I'm not going to get there. Never mind. <laughs> Scratch that. Not going there. Uh, anyways, uh, yeah. Really amazing show. Uh, like I kind of mentioned in the earlier parts of it, I think in our first impressions, it really does kind of remind me of something. I think the day that Earth Still Still was kind of had that similar concept about like an alien and it's kind of sitting there in the middle of, of the populace and they're trying to figure out what to do with it. Um, it kind of has that little feel in there as well. So really, really cool. Cool show. Highly recommend it. So check it out. Like I said, at least give it like three or so episodes and and see if that intrigue really snags you because it, it snagged me right off the bat and I think it kind of kept with that. On well, on my side. on my side, I don't think I didn't. I can't remember which episode was that episode that caught me. And you know which episode I'm talking about. Probably like eight or so where it actually had cute character moments. So that's all you care <laughs> I wouldn't about. Say, I wouldn't <laughs> say it was because of the cute character. I, it was that particular episode where the story kind of picked up for me. And I started seeing one, I do one ag- of the cool things. Yeah, about I do agree that, was a, that, that I did like that element of the conflict between... I Like right at the earlier parts, yes. It Like I was mentioned, he's bringing these these things and presenting them to mankind. These, these knowledges. And there was really a moment of somebody going, I don't like that. That needs to stop. I don't like that they're they're giving us things that we should find on our own right. kind of thing. I like all those kind of elements were really, really cool. Because you can't really disagree with one or the other. You're like, mm-hmm. but this is really, really significant. But at the same time, you're going, but yeah, technically, that isn't ours. And what? And then there's the question of what's the catch? When is there going to be the catch? What is he, what is he after? Like I said, that's, that's that intrigue. Like it. Anywho, Andrew's done gushing. Sorry, <laughs> I just love when I have a show that I just mm, love. I want to talk about it. I've been wanting to that's talk about point. it for like three yeah, weeks. That's the point. And it took us forever to be able to watch the last episode. It kind of really bit. Anywho, uh, moving on to Alice and Zoroku, or Alice to Zoroku. This one streamed on Crunchyroll, ran for twelve episodes, done by Studio JC staff. The source is a manga. The genres are adventure, mystery, seinen. And uh, this one follows uh, mainly Sana. And Sana is this girl who was, at the very earlier part of it, was, you know, confined in this laboratory. She was some kind of uh, special experiment to the people that were there. And she's escaping, but she's really hungry, so her powers aren't working. Because, like most (laughs) shows like this, energy is found in food, which is technically true. So that's fine. Um, she's given help to escape by some random person that shows up and protects her and gives her food and allows her to be able to transport out. 
And when she transports out, she ends up coming across this man named Zoroku. And Zoroku is this really old man. He's very kind of set in his way. He hates things that are crooked. Um, he's, it seems like he was part of some kind of, uh, uh, crime fighting or something like that. A police, or was like a chief, uh, some kind of policeman or something like that. I forget. Who's Zoroku? Yeah, Zoroku. He's a, he's a flower guy. He is now. <laughs> Wasn't he part of the police at some point? No. I thought he, that's how he knew Rue. I don't know. I don't think they ever got into all that. Yeah, that's true. But anyways, he, he, he he's kind of doing deals with some some uh, Yakuza, so people think that he's crooked, but he's actually a good guy, and yeah, he is delivering flowers. He is a flor- florist. Is it florist? Florist. Florist, yeah. yeah. Uh, but anyways, Sana... Floral arrangement manager. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sana runs into him and kind of says, hey, I want to enlist you. Uh, I'll grant your wish if you, if you, uh, you know if you serve me kind of thing. And he's, you know, he kind of quickly denies her. Uh, but then at some point she kind of follows him around and um, eventually he kind of starts taking care of her. Um, and eventually, well, actually before that, he ends up getting attacked by uh, a bunch of people from the uh, laboratory that's trying to catch Sana. And he's kind of dragged in the whole mess and afterwards promptly uh, scolds everybody involved. <laughs> but he has the ultimate scold. <laughs> What it comes down to is though that this organization is trying to capture Sana again, and Zaraku ends up uh, taking care of Sana because she doesn't have any parents and uh, wants to take care of her because she's out on her own. And so he kind of, in a way, kind of adopts her, takes her under his wing, protects her, and at the same time, she has power. So it's like she doesn't really need protecting, but she's so innocent and juvenile that she doesn't know how to use her powers. He kind of tells her that she shouldn't be using her powers at all. So she has to kind of learn to do things on her own, which is kind of an experience for her because she's never been in the outside world. So she's learning things as she goes along. Uh, but yeah, this <laughs> this show, in my opinion, kind of has two arcs to it. Well, technically three arcs, but the, there's two main arcs. In the very beginning, it seemed like it was going to be something like straight out of uh, Elfin Light, where it's like, you know, person uh, experiment jump uh, leaves the laboratory and constantly the laboratory is trying to take the experiment back and there's you know fighting constantly happening and then suddenly out of nowhere it kind of it kind of moves away from that and it just kind of just becomes sana and zoroku and how he's kind of protecting her uh teaching her things she's learning new things about the world she's reconciling with people that she dealt with in the past and learning to not use her powers and learn the world itself and of course, I think the later the, that third arc is really just kind of her uh, run in with this girl named Hattori and her ability, and that how they kind of conflict with each other. And so I'm kind of I'm kind of mixed with the show. Like the, the earlier parts, I didn't like really all that much because I didn't think that uh, JC Staff was doing a very good job with the animation, especially early on. It had a very bad first impression with that first episode. So I would say to people, don't take that first episode as any indication for the rest of the show because they do improve. They do do better later on. I think the later episodes were pretty fantastical and 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 beautiful and in its own right. Uh, it gets very Alice in Wonderland, and you can kind of get that gist from the name Alice. Uh, but yeah, I I like the later parts of the the earlier parts of the show. I kind of enjoyed because there was this whole thing with uh, Miriam, the one of the people that she fought. And her story was kind of pretty tragic, and I kind of wanted some kind of redemption from her, but I don't think it ever was going to happen. Uh, I liked Shizuku. She was really epic. She was like some crazy battle maid, which was really, really cool. 
Um, but when it moved away from that, it, it kind of went back into the away from Elf and Lady and more into like a, a bunny drop kind of thing, which I did kind of enjoy. But what I did find that I actually enjoyed the most about the show was more of a sauna learning family and and learning uh, friends, accepting people, understanding her own feelings that she never really had because she was always in this laboratory. And more in, also more in the idea that it's does a very good job of portraying like adolescence and immature a child having powers that she really shouldn't have. Like, every bit of emotion that a child has, they get fits over the littlest things. They they don't know how to deal with in, uh, confrontations very well. They don't they don't have a level-headed. Mochi-mochi. So, yeah, mochi-mochi. <laughs> uh, she feels frazzled all the time. And when she feels frazzled, she doesn't know how to handle it. And she often uses her powers in ways that she really shouldn't. And I like that kind of perspective of, like, she really shouldn't be able to do this. Somebody's going to get hurt. But she has this power, and she's kind of learning the consequences of her actions. I kind of liked all that stuff. But kind of mixed in the middle there, there's just a lot of moments that it just kind of felt dry. There was a lot of the humor kind of missed me. There was a lot of cute moments. There was a lot of heartwarming moments. Um, so it kind of it kind of sits in the area of that it's it's above a good for me. It's not a great show but because it does have a lot of issues. But at the same time, I got a lot out of this show. Um and, it, and I also like the fact that it didn't really feel like I was missing anything in the end. It kind of felt like it came to a, a decent stopping point for me. So it does kind of leave you kind of wondering, what's that whole mess at the very beginning? That wrapped up pretty well or <laughs> wrapped up a little bit too quickly. But I kind of just left that back there in those early episodes <laughs> and said, oh, yeah, that's right. There was that whole thing happening in the beginning that we totally forgot about. Well, well. Yeah, it almost felt like they just kind of put that whole thing off to the side. <laughs> we should put that oh, over here. Let's phone something in. And I don't mean phone in the writing. I mean, somebody literally called somebody on the phone and, oh, okay. So that just acknowledges that that thing is still involved in some way, shape or form, but then they never went back to it. So I'm assuming that this was not the end of the story. No, no. <laughs> At any rate. Okay. I'm going to say this, but I want it to sound a little bit better than it's going to sound. Um, oh, this is dangerous. <laughs> I am kind of mixed, mostly because I really, really love this show. I love Sana. I love Zoroku, um, right down through the entire list of cat, cast, and I had a lot of fun with this show. Um, it always felt like it was supposed to be a darker t- tone show, which is kind of why I never really argued with the idea of this should have been, or we were expecting Elf and Light, because it really does come off. It got off. pretty dang dark it in does. the other parts, and and it kind of hit a little bit a little bit of that again with Hattori's story. It felt very depressing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it was whole, this whole story about her, because her, I didn't really get too much into it, but Sana is uh, known as Alice. She's of this Alice, uh, this uh, kind of world that mankind has discovered, and and people are have these powers that come from that. And so there's all these children throughout the world. We haven't really seen many of them. We've only really seen, like, what, five or six of them so far. And Hattori was one of them. And Hattori just, I don't know where, she suddenly told somebody to do something, and it actually happened. They were forced to do that. She discovered that she has this, this power of Alice, or Alice's dream, I think they call it. 
And her ability is to make people do things. And she does that to stop her parents who are just about to get a divorce. And at some point, she realized that she's basically broke her parents. They're broken. They, they are, they're like – she's made them unstopping machines, and they're, they're, it's basically killing them in some way. And that really got dark and depressing. <laughs> it, very troubling stuff that was happening for this girl that was very, very young. And something triggers, and that – that brings Sana into the picture, and she was absolutely terrified by what happened due to Hattori. And so that stuff, again, brought back that dark nature and that depressing nature that kind of was in the very beginning with uh, uh, Miriyama Mini-C and, and, uh, and her, her, Alice, her Alice's dream, which is, like, uh, is actually deeply connected to her. <laughs> yeah, the, the so it never really kind of lost its darkness, but I do think it balanced pretty well between the dark and the light. It it does keep a a kind of cheerful tone through through Sana and her trying to um kind of trudge her way through this life that she's still trying to understand it um and and still deal with these kind of more darker undertones to what is kind of the dark side of the world. And I think that it's really, really well portrayed. However, I don't think that it ever kind of got out of its initial slump. Does that make any sense? I don't I don't think that it actually got past that point where I could go, yes, this is this is a great show. It, it's just a, a, a decent show that I th- I really fell in love with these characters. I really, really enjoyed what they were doing, what what kind of um, emotions that they were showing, the the kind of delving into each one of these characters as the story progressed. I just don't think it ever got past that point. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Well, it's funny because it's one of those ones where if you look at it from an overall perspective, we've, we've kind of beaten it with a dead horse, but if you look at it over overall perspective of the story, it feels very out of it, out, out, you know, everywhere. It's like, you, like I said, you start out with that whole moment of escape, the the conflict they have, how it was just like that. It was kind of put off the side and then going on into this whole, you know, uh, learning life and living with a family thing and then a minor, uh, not a, not too big of a conflict and then closing it with that. It's like there was really no big bad or anything like that, even though there was a lot of, there was a lot that Sana came to grips with in that later part. And, you know, her. that's why I don't feel that it's a complete loss with the ending is because Sana learns a lot through her experience with Hattori. Yeah. And it's very crucial for her in that state of well, mind. Well, just just the, I mean, going back to our little joke about the Mojo Mojo thing where she was constantly going, I'm, I, I'm frazzled. She was learning about herself and it constantly was going into what are you, what are you frazzled about? What is it that you, you're exploring in this part of you that you're trying to understand? Why is it that these people are affecting you in this way. Why is it that this is happening to you and you don't understand it? What is it that you need to know? And and I think that her exploring those things was really well done. Yeah. We all know why she's frazzled. She wants more hotcakes. Yeah, that's she it. She wants more big, gigantic <laughs> hotcakes. Uh, yeah. I, I, it's, it's, it's sad because it is one of those shows that I'm not sure if, you know, in a month I'm going to ever remember it and to tell people about it. Cause I think it is one of those shows that unfortunately will be kind of for- forgettable, but I also think it's one of those shows that when I do come across it, I go, yeah, that, that was technically a good show. Check that one out. Or if, if somebody asked me for a show with these kind of characteristics, like a bunny drop type story, I'll go, yeah, if you don't mind some supernatural aspects to it, 
check out this show because it's going to be in the same vein, not down to earth and more life, uh, dealing with life and stuff like that, like Hisagi Drought, but it does kind of have that feel to it, which was something that I was looking forward to. It gave me some of that, not too much of it, but it was enough that I kind of felt a little bit satisfied. So it got away from the Elfin Light. <laughs> I wasn't too sure about the idea of it sticking with kind of an Elfin Light kind of uh, perspective because that would be a little too much. I mean, is the little bit that we got of her getting kind of hurt at the beginning parts is like, okay, yeah, this is a little bit too much even for me. So <laughs> please stop. <laughs> All right. Uh, again, that was Alice and Zoroku. Let's move on to Sugumomo. This show is, was streaming on Crunchyroll, ran for 12 episodes, done by Studio Zero G. The source is a manga. The genres are action, comedy, supernatural, ecchi, school, and seinen. And this one follows uh, Kazuki, or Kazuya, I'm sorry. And Kazuya has this, uh, this cloth that he was given to him by his mother at some point. And he's always had it with him throughout his life. I think he even sleeps with it and brings it to school with him. I mean, it's very treasured to him. And at some point, he realized that it's kind of it has a life of its own. And it's one of these. Uh, no, he wakes up one day and he realizes he's been sleeping with a girl this entire time. <laughs> But it basically in this world, it's kind of in a in a lore its own in Japan. Is this idea that if something is kind of treasured so much, it kind of has a spirit of its own, and that's kind of what happens with this cloth. Is it becomes a spirit of its own in this thing called and in, in the name of uh, Kiriha, and Kiriha takes the form of kind of this girl, and she apparently has some kind of connection with his mother. Um, but uh, Kazuya uses Kiriha or Kiriha to fight yokai in the world things that kind of inflict people because we come to find out is that he's kind of i'm not sure if it was that he became a beacon of it but yeah he, he basically became a beacon for these things to kind of be throughout this area and th- so he's enlisted by a local goddess named uh, uh kukuri to take down the yokai in the area so if somebody has some kind of possession that is has a spirit to it like some guy has a cologne that he wants to use to make girls like him and he treasures it so much that it becomes one of these spirits and it draws so many women to him um and expelling it becomes a curse to him he kind of has to fight those things and that's kind of what he does is just fights these i think they're called obi these obi and stop them no from, obi is the cloth that obi is, the cloth. is i think it's called yokai i think i had this problem with our first impression it doesn't matter <laughs> <laughs> these spirit things you fight spirit things we'll just call them yokai even though they're not yokai uh but yeah that's that's basically the premise of it and lots of etchy and and uh goofy humor ensues because this is a straight-up comedy very etchy show that's one of the warnings i'll give out there there's a lot of partial nudity um very young looking characters uh partial nudity uh full harem moments so keep all that kind of stuff in mind going and into it, it does not bother to lots not of push the edge it's going all over that edge what is this thing grab yank, yank, kind of <laughs> stuff so keep that in mind yeah lots of bath scenes and stuff like that so if that's out of your realm but yeah listen to what we're talking about though i I'm very mixed on the show. I, I had some moments where I got a good laugh out of it. I had moments where I enjoyed the action. I think a lot of the action scenes were pretty well done. I, I wasn't even expecting much out of the show for action, but a lot of the action scenes actually did turn out to be uh, well choreographed and have some pretty cool little moments in them. Outside of that, it's really kind of the humor and all that kind of stuff. I got, like I said, I had some good laughs out of it. And yeah that, i mean that's that's about all i can really say about it it doesn't really have too much going for it story-wise 
there was a few moments where it kind of hinted a little bit into his mother, uh, his past and his mother, but didn't really dive too much into it. I'm assuming that stuff for way later in the manga. Um, but for the moment, it really is just kind of him learning his place in his town, fighting these things, and then having a rival towards the end. That was really all we really got into. But yeah, I, I, I'm very mixed on it. I, I think there's moments where it kind of went a little bit too far with the the, the etchy humor. There was times where I, I thought it was a, a blast. Um, but in the end, it was kind of just a an easygoing, fluffy, etchy show. And the, the pudding song was absolutely hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> there was like this whole episode. Or it was half an episode. They did they, A lot of these episodes, they do that little half title, half title, so half the episode is this title or chapter or whatever, and half the episode is this title or chapter. And one of them, the first half was this whole thing of, it had very little dialogue whatsoever. It was just just straight music and reactions and screams and stuff like that. And it was just basically the story kind of telling, uh, because at some point, you know, as harems are, the entire cast at at some point ends up pretty much living with Kazuya. And everybody seems to be okay with that. (laughs) Because because, it's a harem. Because magic. (laughs) And so he's got this this uh, this shrine or this goddess uh, Kukuri who's lost most of her power. Her shrine's destroyed, so nobody has a place to pray. So her power is really weak. So she's living with them because she's so poor. And you have Kiriha, who is the the cloth or the obi, and of course she's living there. And uh, the sh- the shrine maiden for Kukuri's there, and all these people are living in the same house. But at some point, they're kind of in this in this little first half. They're kind of having uh, Kukuri. Uh, they're trying to show the difference between these pretty much like two little sisters to him. One's the the respectable one that's working hard and cleaning dishes, which is Kukuri. And then there's the lazy Kiriha who just wants pudding and, and whines and, and gripes all the time. And then it's showing them kind of taking them to the store and Kiriha is throwing a fit over the pudding and Kukuri's being nice and calm off the side and wanting pudding but doesn't want to, you know, bother anybody and... Yeah, the pudding song happens. It was it was really fun. That was one of my favorite episodes. And then it was episodes like the the Kanayama, Kanayama, who is this kind of really rich uh, goddess spirit thing, and they go to her to get money because they're all poor. <laughs> that was my favorite episode. But Kukuri, <laughs> Kukuri does not want to go there, and you quickly find out why Kukuri did not want to go there. But Kiriha forced her to go there, and it's because. She plays a gambling game, and it seems like no matter what, she's going to win. <laughs> and there's elements to the, this game that forces them to have to do dares, and they're, they're very inappropriate dares. So it's like half of it's like, this is really awkward, funny, and half of it's like, that's really inappropriate, by the way. <laughs> so it does, it, does, it does straddle that line really, really closely and often goes over it. Like the, the, the guardian uh, stones that protect the two when they were fighting in the duel. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like that really looks like something else and they pointed out and I'm like okay they're, they're they're acknowledging that that looks like something very inappropriate okay at least we acknowledge that anyways I'm sorry go ahead okay so for me this one actually became kind of one of my surprises of the season I actually kind of found myself having a lot of fun with this show it just and I don't know, I can't really tell you why maybe it is just the etchy harem humor. I, I just had fun with it. I it <laughs> I don't know how else to put it, just that. Yeah, I have the same problem I have. It's like I can't really, really necessarily point out much else in here besides, say, certain moments that I enjoyed. So it's a very hard show to kind of explain what you enjoy about it and what you don't enjoy about it. Yeah, it, it, was, it was one of those that we came in with no real expectations. We'd I mean, I don't even know if we even hit it on our, our preview, did we? 
I think we did. Yeah. And, and, and when we actually got to going on it, it was like, okay, the first episode, yeah, whatever. And no, then I thought this... the first episode was was very shocking because, like I said, it was, they they pulled out a lot of the stops with the animation. In the first episode, that first fight that he had was like, wow, they're they're actually not kind of fussing over this. They're actually doing a decent job animating a, a combat sequence. That's and, kind of surprising. And it was just pretty much from there on. It we just had a lot of fun with it, or at least I had a lot of fun with it. It got really dark too at some point. They had this. Uh, this letter the that somebody, yeah, yeah. The, the sister got over, uh, yeah, that was really dark. I'm not going to say really what happened there, but it was, it got really dark and I was like, wow, I wasn't really expecting that. Go back to the nudity and, <laughs> and harem stuff. I don't know. I don't know if I like this in this show. You're going to make me laugh in a minute, aren't you? Stop it. Stop it. I know you're going to make me laugh. Anyways. Yeah. That was, uh, Sugimomo. So if anything there sounds interesting to you, definitely check it out. Moving forward, let's go into Grand Blue Fantasy, the animation. Uh, this one streamed on Crunchyroll, Amazon, and Daisuke. Ran for 13 episodes, done by Studio A1 Pictures. The source is a game from Games, which if you don't know, they you know do like Rage of Bahamut and stuff like that. It's just a little company, not much there. Uh, genres of fantasy, the, uh, but yeah, this one basically follows a boy named Gran, and he's in this world where people live on these floating islands, and they kind of travel between the islands on airships. Uh, but he lives out in the sticks on this one particular island. Kind of feel there's a feeling that most people kind of just live where they live, and they don't really go anywhere. But there's some people that actually travel from place to place. And his father was one of those such people who just kind of traveled, and they went off to this one island that is uh, the Esta Esta Lucia Island of Stars, which is apparently this. Um, this island that everybody believes is a myth that doesn't really exist, but his father apparently sent him a letter saying that he's going there. So he really wants to join his father. Uh, but yeah, anyway, I don't, I don't know where this gigantic airship is going by. Uh, it's an airship from the Erste Empire, which apparently is this empire that is trying to basically rule over all the islands. It's a very evil empire, uh, trying to ruling, uh, trying to rule with iron fists over other islands. And out from this ship this explosion happens and something falls from the ship and gran runs over to see what it is and it turns out to be this girl named lyria and lyria ends up being this kind of test or this experiment wow this is this is a podcast episode of experiment people <laughs> this experiment uh that the Ursta empire is utilizing to it seems like to control uh the spirits or the summons of the world but Gran kind of helps Lyria because this uh, empire comes to try to capture her again. And they're joined with Catalina, who is this knight who used to work for, or used to be a part of the empire, but chose to go against them just to protect Lyria and to rescue her from what, her situation. And so the three of them end up trying to escape. And at some point, something happens to Gran, and it, it was very tragic. But uh, due to Lyria, they kind of uh, get out of the situation, but it ends up making them connected to each other in a certain way. And so Gran gets an excuse to actually have to leave the island. Yay! <laughs> so Gran, Lyria, and Catalina jump onto a, uh, or jump ship, try to leave the, or an airplane actually, and try to leave the island and crash immediately, and are joined with other people as they go on their journey to try to seek out um, the Esta Lucia island of stars so so may i go first sure so i really really loved this show i love the artwork i love this show. i you haven't heard love. that in a long time <laughs> you, you got me self-conscious of it self-conscious of it exactly good um i love the characters love the love the artwork love the story and then the last episode happened 
And I realized I had been ripped off this entire show. Now I hate it. That's, I think, of a lot of people's. Because <laughs> uh, it, it, was, it was kind of unfortunate that it seemed like they were talking about this being 14 episodes, and then it turned out to be technically 12 episodes, with the 13th episode being something completely different. But yeah, I I love this show a lot. It, going through this show now, you really surprised me. <laughs> Why well, into the low show? <laughs> But it was, it's it it has the fantasy element, which I'm I always enjoy fantasy shows, and I don't get a lot of them that I enjoy. This is one that I actually enjoyed, um, and that's mostly due to the fact that one, it's side games, so a lot of the character designs are absolutely beautiful. Not only that, but it seemed like you, with most cases with side games, whenever they have somebody adapt their work, they it seems like they pump a lot of money to them. <laughs> it happened with with Mappa and and Rage of Muhammad. And it seemed like it happened with this one as well with A1 Pictures. It's like they pumped them a lot of money because it just looks beautiful. And you have these very uh, beautiful and very extravagant character designs that are actually moving very well. They flow really well. They animate very well. And it's something that would normally not really happen with most adaptations. So to have these great character designs made me love pretty much characters that I probably shouldn't love normally, like... They had the, I think I joked about the the Jesse and James of the show, which was uh, Sturm and Drang, who is these characters that showed up early on trying to persuade Lyria to come with them. And I love their character designs. They were really cool and unique. And then, like, there was Carva and Mary, who was, like, these two little dungeon crawling, uh, uh, this duo. <laughs> and I love their character design. One looks like a, a cowgirl or something like that. And one looks like a cowboy girl who just has, like, all these little pouches and stuff, like some kind of alchemist. I just loved every single character designs except for uh, Pumum. He can die. That guy can just die. Sirio, <laughs> uh, who was this kind of quest giver, I guess, in the game, gives quests or something like that because she always shows up and says, I have this opportunity. You can have this opportunity. Go do this. Absolutely love it. I, I loved all the character designs and, and the characters that were in them. And they have really fantastic animation. Uh, the combat sequences were fantastic. They had some great little moments of like a character running over crumbling debris or jumping off of cliffs and stuff like that. It just, it all flowed really well. They they did an excellent job. There was some CG use, like, for mostly the, the gigantic summoned or, or spirit uh, beast kind of things. But I think for the most part, they did a good job of blending it well with the 2D animation, so... But for the characters themselves, I I can't really say much for the characters. They didn't really stand out too much. Um, literally, what Lilia was cute. She was very naive. Uh, Catalina had a very saberness to her. She was just like a big sister wanting to protect Lilia, which is great. Uh, Eo was cute. I liked Eo and Rockham's uh, chemistry. Uh, Eo being the caster girl, very Sundere-ish, not too much, and Rockham being this kind of uh, guy that just wanted to go on his airship and and ride. So they had a good chemistry between the two of them. But for the most part, the chemistry wasn't that spectacular between the characters. Uh, they just kind of worked well together. They kind of just did their thing and moved on. So it was really just more about the adventure. It was more about the animation. It was more about the character designs, uh, the fantasy elements that I really, really kind of connected to. The only kind of downside I see to the main story, which is the thirteen, the 12 episodes, was that they kind of hit too much on... Um, what was it two? It was uh, Kuro Kishi and Orchis, which was like these two characters that showed up out of nowhere. It's obvious they are kind of after the same thing that they're kind of that Lyria and Gran are kind of doing with the collecting of the spirits, and they really didn't do anything with them. So I'm assuming maybe later on in the game itself you get into that stuff, or maybe and I've heard mixed things on if it has really 
a deep story in the game or not, but uh, it just seemed like it was out of place. Didn't They didn't do anything with it, so unless they get another season, that kind of seemed like a waste. But it wasn't too much of the focus, so I'm not too worried about it. But the story does kind of not really get to conclusion, and that, that could be a downer to some people. I didn't feel like I was really needing it, uh, just mainly because I wasn't too invested in the story to begin with. I was more invested in the fun adventures that they were kind of doing. But I do agree with Chris. The biggest flaw in this entire show is that the 13th episode really kind of just showed us this show would have been a lot better with the female protagonist character selected at the beginning of the game. <laughs> because it follows, it, what it basically does with the 13th episode, which is, I, I think is really, really clever. At the same time, it, it feels like a, a bad tease. Um, I, I, don't, I can't tell you how many people on Twitter were saying, just scrap the whole entire show and restart from the beginning and just do <laughs> with it from Digita. with the sheet. Do not do a second season with Gran. Nobody cares about Gran. <laughs> Go back and redo the entire thing with Dejit. At Digita. least I'm not alone on that. Because it, it was. It really was one of those... Oh, yeah. Well, obviously, because the, the last episode was so funny, so cool, so neat, and it had so many cool just one things that I wanted out of this show, and it's like... All in one episode. Well, you obviously picked the wrong main int- pr- protagonist. What are you doing? <laughs> well, the, the main problem, why that's the case is because Gran isn't an interesting character. Yes, he has aspirations to go to the islands. Yes, he has uh, a connection with Lyria and he kind of has to go. And there's a there's a bond between the two of them. But he doesn't really stand out too much. He doesn't have a constant aspiration. He doesn't have a, a, a strong personality. Dejita was a character with a lot of personality and she, she was a go-getter. She wanted to get things done and everybody followed her because of her... You get this all in one episode. She, they want to follow her because she has such aspirations. She gets stuff done. And, and then, then she you kind has, of find out... Then she has Marion Carver, yeah. which they like blew the entire thing away. Well, okay, no, obviously they're going I mean, coming in. <laughs> not just that, because at some point in the later parts, like episode twelve, I think it was, or eleven or twelve, they they suddenly just it seemed like they were going like, okay, we have this huge game of character designs. Let's just mm-hmm. throw a whole bunch of them in one episode. And it was like, I like that cool sword chick that does the crazy whooshing thing with the sword and the quick blade thing. Mm-hmm. There's a lolly knight and, and yeah. he's got a sword and shield and wants to a paladin or something like that. I, where did she come from? You have all these characters, and you're like, these are cool car- character designs. I, where were these people at? And why did they follow Gran? They're all following Digita. <laughs> so I want to watch the one that has all these cool characters. I mean, even Rosetta was, like, there already. But it was funny that they kind of showed, like, the paralleling of the two of the stories. But the one thing I did notice that they didn't recap when they were showing, basically, Digita doing the same thing Gran was doing with Lyria is the whole part where Gran loses track of Lyria because Dejita would never do that. <laughs> Dejita was, yeah, and she was really, really epic. She was just kind of tearing things up without even trying. It was, it was hilarious. <laughs> she was too OP. <laughs> she's like, she's all yelling at uh, Pumim as he's there tracking off with his ice and she's like, she's slamming her hand on this ice and everybody's going, ugh! <laughs> it's like, man, that girl's strong. It was she's a blast. A, she, was, she was scolding somebody while she was hitting the the things with yes. her backhand and not even paying attention to him. It was, but yeah, it was it was it was epic. And but it doesn't describe the rest of the show. I thought it was a very amazingly animated show. But like I do, I do agree that I would love this show done with Zeta, and I'll just leave it at that. So 
if you're looking for a cool fantasy show, it's definitely a, a cool one to go with. It doesn't have a great overarching plot, but it does have, you know, fantasy elements and just some fun action to go along with it. Yeah, great it didn't quite design. feel it didn't quite feel like it hit that epic level, but it did definitely feel fun and, and enjoyable. That was Grand Blue, Flan- Grand Blue Fantasy, the animation. Let's move on to Sukiga Kire. Sukiga Kire. I had to say it right this time. I always say Kire. Kira. Kire. 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 You're messing me up now. Sukiga Kire. Um, but yeah, Sukiga Kire. Uh, streamed on Crunchyroll. Ran for 12 episodes. Studio Feel. Uh, the source is original. These genres are romance and school. And this one follows Kotoro, who um, is going to uh, junior high school. He's a third year. And as he's he's doing his daily, he kind of catches the interest of this girl named Akane. And Akane is this girl who is in the track team. And due to their class, they get kind of signed up to help uh, with the... Or he gets signed up to help them with their kind of big track meet they're doing. And they all kind of get synced up with this uh, this chat program they call LINE. And they start communicating, and eventually uh, Kotaro kind of uh, confesses his feelings for Akane. He kind of has an interest in her. And so this story kind of follows these two as they uh, are basically discovering their feelings, discovering love, um, dealing with the embarrassment of being in love with somebody because, you know, it's junior high and there's there's the whole cuties thing. <laughs> no, the whole they have cutie, the off- cooties, thing. <laughs> cooties thing. You know the cooties were still around around then. Uh, but yeah, they're they're just dealing with the embarrassments, the discovering love, what it means to be in love, um, people kind of, uh, you know, not seeing them as really being in love, uh, like the her, her Akane's sister kind of trying to tutor her in the idea of love, and uh, Kotaro dealing with his uh, book writing and all that kind of stuff is kind of involved with it. So yeah, you, you want to start on this one too? No, because all all I'd be doing <laughs> is saying gush for the next fifteen minutes. So oh, well, you may both, want to we're just... both being doing that. So <laughs> I can't this... say one negative thing. I hated the CG. That but is true. <laughs> I did love the style. Um, this one definitely has an interesting style to it. They they definitely went with something very unique with it. Very heavy with the almost like a, a white outlining to the characters. Uh, it has a very kind of um, I would say Water kind color. of. Uh, boldness to the the lines and everything like that. Yeah, watercoloring affects a lot to it. Uh, but yeah, there was only one little stain to it, and that was whenever they have crowds, there was a lot of use of CG. But for the most part, they did a lot of really good animation. And there's like this whole thing where Kotaro uh, helps with this festival on a regular basis, and he goes there to train. So it is a lot of this little kind of, uh, uh, I don't know, it's like these two sticks, and they're doing like a little dance with it. And the choreography for that was really, really well done. Um, but yeah, sorry. I I think this show is absolutely adorable. I fell in love with it um, from from the get go. Uh, just the absolute awkward, just trying to get your 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 words out, and it just not really getting there. You 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 just can't can't express yourself very well. And I felt that all through this show. Just these two, this boy and girl, just trying to talk to each other and it was just such a simple thing and it was so great i loved it i highly recommend it it's easily probably one of my favorites of the of the season i would call this show awkward adorables animation (laughs) it it, it hit me really early on i think in the first episode they have like this little moment where um 
for to give you an example, they have this little moment where uh, Kotoro is going to a diner with his family. And then suddenly, I don't know where you realize that Akane is there with her family at the diner. And they have like this old moment where <laughs> it reminds me totally much as a kid. It's like you have this whole thing where you're like, you do not want to see caught dead with your family when you see, you know, somebody from your school. It's like, oh, they're going to embarrass me or this is so embarrassing that with my family and they're going to see me. And and sure enough, they have this whole moment <laughs> where the parents start talking to each other. Or they go to the, 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 the drink fountain and there's this whole embarrassment to them. Just like insane, awkward adorable awkwardness that was to them. And it kind of persists throughout the entire show as they kind of uh, express, or as Katoro expressed himself to Kane, this very adorable scene of them too, and and her reaction to it. It just, I, I like just before he kind of uh, confesses it, she just has this really cute little hee 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 laugh. It was so adorable. <laughs> and I'm like, you're going to confess, aren't you? Because that was absolutely adorable. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do like uh, some of the some of the latter parts where they they were having some kind of jealousy moments, which just came off so well. And it it it, it, it <laughs> some kind of stuff happening. What's wrong? <laughs> and it, this show has so many uh, nervous, insanely nervous awkward moments with the characters just kind of not knowing what to say and just having those if moments and i'm like this would be so absolutely irritating hearing him do these little grunt noises but it's cute so i'm going with it <laughs> but yeah, i mean outside of that i mean you yeah the the the, ap- the the romance between these very young characters is is felt very genuine i loved it um it's something that i can totally relate to uh, it's it's those moments of you know being embarrassed to tell your friends because they might see you as 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 weird uh, because you know some of them might not really be looking for romance at the time uh, a lot of these characters and you know a lot of people in school themselves a lot of mature faster than others some don't know how to see others that are dating but they don't know really what it's all about and I think that kind of falls in that realm of him not really knowing them not really knowing what to do with each other but kind of her relying on her sister telling her weird things that she needs to do or not to do and her not accepting it most of the time. Um, the teasing that her sister does to her is absolutely great. Uh, getting into Kotaro and his as- 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 aspirations to write and the the realities that uh, come with him trying to, you know, submit his work and what they kind of come back with. Uh, school and what they deal with in school. Uh and what they're looking to do in the future, and what what entails what they should do, what they should do, what they have to do for their future, it gets into a little bit of that, and how it's going to conflict with their uh, their relationship with each other as well, which I thought was uh, really well put together towards the later parts of it. It, it felt like I was kind of seeing where it was going to conclude, uh, but it was still a very impactful uh, later part of the show when it really gets into where they're going to go from there. I I also did appreciate that they kind of did a little bit of a after story too. I wasn't really expecting that, but it was kind of out of nowhere. And I said, I'll take that. (laughs) (laughs) And I I also want to admit, absolutely loved. And I I think I said this in our first impression, loved the little shorts at the end of the show. They could make a short series from this show and I would eat it all up because every single one of the shorts at the end of most of the episodes were fantastic. I mean, the the teacher and her conflicting issues with one of the boys that kind of basically told her that she he loved her and uh some of the other uh kids that were you know in relationships or starting relationships and 
their little skits of eating dinner or whatever, or eating at a uh, as a at a diner or whatever, and one of the girls wanting a a, a selfie but not accepting it unless it's perfect and. <laughs> All those things were absolutely hilarious. I loved all the little shorts. The the sister bringing home the boyfriend and how the parents really couldn't uh, were like, this guy's really too good, <laughs> even though he had bad first impression with him. I loved it. All those things were were great. But yeah, I'm, I'm right on board with Chris. I think this was one of those shows that I think is a standout, one of my favorite, definitely one of my favorite romances that I've ever seen in anime. Usually, it, it just doesn't do the things that I don't like with romance animes it doesn't get stuck in things it doesn't it doesn't over dramatize stuff it kind of just they do things if something happens they yeah they'll they'll putz around for a little bit but they usually kind of get over it and they move on with their lives they don't get they don't stick they don't stick three episodes worth of drama because they don't want to talk to each other it it just does it doesn't do the things that i think kind of ruin most romance anime and instead it provided me instead with cute, awkward, adorable moments between these two couples that I just wanted to, I want to just hug them both and say, you're the, the cutest things ever. <laughs> yeah, definitely didn't get caught up in the will they, won't they type problem. So it, it, it just felt like a natural little romance that these two kids were having. Yeah. Great show. Definitely go check it out. It's, it's, it's adorbs. Awkward adorbs, as I called it. Awkward adorbs. But yeah, that's Suki Ga Kire. Watch it. Go watch it. Do it now. No, don't, don't do it now. Just wait until we're done with our show. Sorry. Um, Yeah, you guys can stop during work and just go ahead and watch it. Oh, I love the music. We'll give too. you permission. Love the music. They had so many great vocal tracks. They jumped in there that just made so many of the scenes stab at my heart. You're not going to give them permission to? What was that? I'm sorry. Stopping work and going ahead and watching it? I can't give that permission. <laughs> Did, I did say that we were going to delay our last episode, and people were saying they were going to stay home from work because they didn't have commute podcasting. So I was like, that's awesome. If you have the time off, please don't lose work over us. <laughs> oh, love our listeners. Moving on, let's go to Is It Wrong to Try and Pick Up Girls in a Dungeon, Sword Oratoria? Because they felt that Is It Wrong to p- Try and Pick Up Girls in a Dungeon was not long enough. They added Sword Oratoria at the end of it. Or dungeon ni dai wo motomeru no wa machi gateru daro ka gaiden sword oratoria. Streamed on Amazon, ran for 12 episodes. Uh, studio is JC Staff. The source is a light novel. The genres are action, adventure, fantasy. Uh, yeah. This one, of course, if you don't know, Is It Wrong to Try and Pick Up Girls in a Dungeon was originally a series that was adapted from a light novel, which followed Belle Crannell, who was... It's basically in a world where there is this city of Orario. It is surrounding this place that they call the dungeon. And goddesses, basically, gods and goddesses came down and decided to live amongst the humans and bestow upon them certain powers and they create what they call familia and it followed the the original story kind of followed bell crannell as he was the only member of hestia's uh familia and hestia of course bestia with the ribbon and all that kind of stuff jokes aside uh <laughs> and he was a it was just an aspiring uh adventurer he was you know just very very newbie went to the dungeon got his butt kicked half the time and he was always saved by this girl named eyes wallenstein and eyes wallenstein became like a 
basically a focus for him. He wanted to get stronger so that he could follow her. And so you, you basically follow him as he was fighting, and every now and then she would come in and save her. Well, Sword Oratoria follows Ice Wallenstein's side of the whole deal. So you're following her and her perspective as she is with, of course, the Loki fam- uh, familia, and they're, you know, going into the dungeon and going lot, you know, doing much more than what Bell Crenel was doing because they have an entire guild of very powerful uh, uh, adventurers that go in there and just wipe the floor with most of the stuff. Uh, most of the perspective actually does technically follow Lafia. Lafia is this girl who seems like she's pretty recent joining the Loki familia, and she's very uh, inexperienced. She's not very uh, confident with her abilities. She often messes up her casting because she doesn't trust her uh, teammates enough, and she's constantly trying to get better. And of course, at some point, she sees that Ice Wallenstein is helping Belle, and becomes very jealous and tries to get uh, aid from Ice Wallenstein to uh, train to get better as well. On the side, you kind of start seeing the things that were affecting Bell in the original series, which was like suddenly out of nowhere, beasts are showing up in the middle of town, they're attacking people, and he gets involved with that whole thing. Or we're kind of seeing uh, Loki is Loki is trying to uncover the truth by what what's actually happening there. Why are these beasts being uh, unleashed upon the town? Who is doing it? Uh, and this other kind of group that somehow gets an interest in one's eyes, Wallenstein. Um, due to possibly somebody that Ice Wallenstein is related to. So, yeah. I'll just leave it at that. Uh, but yeah, I... Not... Uh, I, I I was struggling with the original Is It Wrong to Try to Pick Up Girls in Dungeon. Uh, mainly because it did kind of uh, get to being a little bit... Uh, it dragged a little bit for me. But I liked the characters, and it did pick up towards the later parts of it. And I really liked the chemistry. With Sword Oratoria, the problem that I have with the series is it basically main casts the characters I didn't care about <laughs> when I watched the original Is Wrong Try to Pick and Girls in Dungeon. I didn't care about Eyes Wallenstein. I'm sorry for those that think that she's Bestia instead of Hestia. But I didn't, I, th- I thought that she was too stone faced and didn't have any personality. So I was like, why are you making a main character? Basically, somebody has no personality. Okay, well, Lithia is actually technically the main character. All right, she has some personality to her. Never mind, she only has one note. She loves Ice Wallenstein and wants to do things for Ice Wallenstein. Where's Ice Wallenstein? I want to help Ice Wallenstein. What can I do to help Ice Wallenstein? Oh, where's she at? I want to see Isisama. Isisama. Where's Isisama? Isisama. And it's like, oh my gosh, this is all she thinks about. What else is to this character? It does I, It does become a little bit endearing when she starts, you know, really struggling with trying to get stronger. Um, her experiences with uh, Philvis was pretty cool. Philvis was this girl that uh, was seen as, like, the death to any party that she's a part of. And that was kind of cool. It, it did feel like I already knew what the hell was going to happen. It's like, yeah, I don't know. It's going to fix her. That's great. Um, so, yeah, all I'm really left with is, like, a cast that I didn't really care too much. Every now and then, they did have a little moment with eyes where she she had a little bit of personality. I was like, oh, okay, that was kind of cute. Uh, but in the end, all I really cared about was, like, Tiona. She's cool. Uh, Bete was kind of cool. Um, Finne was really awesome. I, I was actually very surprised by the, the their leader. He was pretty cool. I could not stand Loki. So it's like, I can't stand, like, 75% of the people that are on the screen. And I'm not too interested on this whole overarching plot that, is it's revealing with the side story and most of it's kind of just 
Yeah, I don't even know I mean, half the, what's the, going the on. Big, the big problem is you almost have to watch them side by side. I think that I think that ninety percent of my problem with it was I got some of the big events which they made kind of really obvious. This is what this is. Point at it. This <laughs> is this point in the story. Okay, I get it. Yeah, I think that this is this part of the story. But outside of that, I didn't really kind of follow what was going on. I just went ahead and watched the show. Now, on my side, I'm I'm a little bit more mixed. I I really enjoyed uh, the first uh, dungeons uh, to Dan pick Ma- my girls in Dan Machi. Yeah, Dan Machi. I I liked the first Don Machi. I really did enjoy it. And going into this one, I did enjoy it, but not as much. And it and I can only assume it's mostly just because of the fact that. I was trying too hard to remember what was going on on the other side, and I was constantly trying to juggle this <laughs> this event. Well, what's what's I, funny is you don't need to. That's, that's I know, you really cause, don't. Because technically the original Don Machi only covers Bell and his progress as a as him getting stronger. It doesn't really do, it, it wasn't really until the very end when suddenly it's like, now there's a big beast thing, and there's this Freya chick who's giggling off in the distance, and oh yeah, this is kind of what Bell's about. It was really just about him getting stronger and following after Ice Wallenstein. This is the one that's really kind of getting into this dark organization that's that's summoning these things from the deep below and and these spirits, uh, these corrupted spirits and all that stuff. That was this was diving that stuff. And like I said, it just wasn't that interesting to me. Yeah, and that's and that's the thing. It's like I'm I I with me, I'm trying too hard to f- figure out how to f- fit it in. No, you, like Andrew said, you don't have to. It's not like it's important, but. It almost felt like that is kind of necessary if you, you go into felt like it, it was a point. Yeah. It's kind of the point is to see this other side and it and I'm not I'm 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 not I'm not placing the timelines very well, I guess. I do honestly think that it was it was his original intention to have this side story later on. Like we 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 were just diving straight into Bell and okay, and his intent was okay, I'm going to have this kind of side story happening the entire time. We'll mix it together later on. But like I said, I don't think it really was it really is just kind of a let's see more meddling than what we've seen with Bell. Bell, it was just kind of left to like, okay, somebody's definitely pulling some strings here. Well, now we're kind of just bringing it to the front line, and I don't even think the story was told all that well in the in the end. So it's like you're you're giving us a better perspective of this, but I don't think you're still even doing it well enough because half the time I'm either not interested or it's kind of over my head. I don't really kind of get the point of it or it's just shooting. Yeah. I, I, I still to this, I, I have a rough idea who the big, the big bad is, who's pulling the strings, but it didn't really kind of make anything conclusive. So, okay, well, <laughs> we'll find out sooner or later, I guess. It's Jim eating, man. It's Jim eating. You know, there's going to be more of this. That, that's, that's, it's, it's like, yeah, I can make an argument that this is light novel bait, but I just have very little, doubt that they will not make more of this. They will probably jump back onto Bell's story, or if they make more story, I'll probably still watch and, it. But. And, and I, I, I'm kind of almost in the same same rule. I think that I think that a lot of these characters as were fun as characters who come in and tease Bell a little bit, but not as, as main as main characters, I mean I I liked Lafia, but I do think that she was kind of a little bit over it, it, obnoxious at, at some point. I, I like eyes. I've never had a problem with her. Tione and T- Tione, I did really like them. I I love so, them in yeah. the original one, so I love them in this one. Yeah, <laughs> I, I a lot of the so a lot of the characters I liked, but having them on the screen constantly was kind of eh, you're getting a little annoying. 
Well, the other problem you have is that a lot of them are just way overpowered. <laughs> so there really is no, there's no struggle. And plus you have the fact that we technically know who is in the later parts of the original Danmachi. So technically anytime you try to death flag anybody in this one, it's not working. So unless you found a do, you know, somebody like their twin that has the same name. And that's who we see in the later parts of Danmachi, this the original series. You can't death flag anybody. You can't go, oh, you got stabbed. He's not going to die. We've seen him in the original series. So that was that kind of problem, too. But it it didn't discount the fights. The fights were still cool. And besides the fact that pretty much most everything they killed was the same stupid plant, and I got so sick of that same stupid plant, uh, they were fun and interesting, cool little combat sequences. So I, I can give it that at least, so... Yeah, more Danmachi. If you didn't love the original Danmachi, you're going to love more Danmachi. So you you probably already watched it. <laughs> uh, but I would like to hear from more people. If you if you thought this was an improvement from the original series, if you thought it was a step back, if you liked seeing the side plot, um, if Hestius is Bestia or is Ice the Bestia, let us know. I, they I kept putting like. her in a daggon. <laughs> and a doggone uh, booth off the side, so... Poor Hestia. I, I'm surprised she got as much airtime as she did. So <laughs> I actually thought that there were going to be a lot more. It was like, you cannot keep her off the screen. You I, actually I, managed I, to keep I, her I, off the I'm screen. I'm actually a lot. surprised that they did not bring Belle and Hestia in it more than they actually did. I, I really was expecting them to. No, they, they stayed true to what they were. They sold on the box. This is Ice's story. I really did like the. I did, I really did like seeing um, the points in which it came together. I really liked those. I like the with the 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 pack girl. I forget her name from the original series and her kind of pleading with Ice to go save him and her just being completely messed up and watching them kind of stand there and talk about what Bell's doing as he's you know thrashing this this gigantic Minotaur thing and what that. How that impacted How that affected them. The, so the group. Bete I is like, that I can't really let cool. him outdo me. Those are really cool scenes. So it's like, it sucks. I hate to say it, but a lot of the greatest moments of the show was the moments where it really did get. They were you were they were right there paralleling with each other, and you did see both sides of it. Um, but that other stuff, I just yeah, same plant and that stupid screaming noise, man. <laughs> they're beast. They're they're big spirit screaming really loudly for like. 20 seconds long was like oh gosh stop it and they did like two times anyways that was is it wrong to try and pick up girls in a dungeon sword for you moving on let's go to our last piece the one everybody's waiting for it is time it is time for the new hit game show love that roommate are you ready chris we have our three contestants for the roommate anime series the one that streamed on crunchyroll for 12 episodes Four minutes each of one of those episodes, done by Studio Typhoon Graphics, based off a source original, and the sonors are being siphoned life. Yes, our three contestants of Roommate are the tough and yet shy climber Takumi, the office worker and the elite, with the elite personality Shinya, and the aspiring actor and child student. He's he's Aoi. not he's not a he's not a contestant. I've already chosen him. Okay. You're ruining this joke already. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this is a this is a I, I just I was thinking about a way to do this one because um, we got a lot of feedback that people liked how we uh, did the uh, one room uh, review. We talked about the 
odd alternate tellings of each of those stories of the three girls that they had in that series. But unfortunately, with this one, they kind of ditched the first-person perspective, really, most of the time. And they just kind of threw them all three in the same room at the same time and really got the harem pull going. And just really kind of just puts around with these characters versus it doing three different stories over a long period of time. It just kind of told them as they were constantly beating heads with each other. Um, but of course, this story takes place. You're following the perspective of a landlady who's coming into this dorm that has three boys in it. And the, all three of them kind of take interest in you as the viewer, as you're, of course, playing the role as the first person lady coming in there and being charmed by these three boys. And, uh, yeah, the, each one of their, their aspirations and whatnot. So I want to take it, I want to take it from the perspective of the dating game show, Love That Roommate. So we're here to interview the two contestants that got to experience these three boys and tell us a little bit about each one of them. What, what did you like about them and what did you did not like about them? Tell us about the only character that you seem to care about, which was Aoi. What did you think of your, your time with Aoi? He's a trap. Okay. He's cute. Okay. He kind of likes me. All right. And he's not pushy like some other guys. Yeah, yeah. I see when I came into the to the 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 dorm, I I I I wasn't sure what I felt about these three boys, but my experience with Takumi was probably one of the only one that I didn't feel like I was not going to that I was going to be not harmed in the middle of the night. I'll just say that. <laughs> And Takumi, he he had a he had a goal he was going for. He wasn't he wasn't like Shinya where he was stuck in a office as an office worker. He wasn't like Aoi who was just a little bit too immature and just seeking out this acting job that's never going to pay the bills. Takumi was a climber and he's and he's going across seas. He has aspirations. He's going for a goal. And he's just he's tough. He's strong. He climbs a freaking wall. A brick wall. He's a hey, he's a strong boy. Hey. Hey, Aoi has got places he wants to be. He's going to make it on the big big stage, and he's going to make us lots of money. He's going to be a millionaire one day. What's your guy going to do? Bring you home rocks? No, he's going to bring home a championship. Aoi's just going to he's going to have some dead end job, voice acting anime or something like that. You don't know that, but we can both agree on is the one boy that I did not like in that dorm <laughs> was Shinya. He, well, he threw me on the ground and he put he put his arms around you me. You too. I know, right? He was very forceful. I I I constantly told him I didn't want to be with him, and he kept acting like he wasn't even listening to me. I was literally shouting at him. He was, he'd be like, and he kept "You want to go with I'm, me outside?" I'm not... And I'm like, "No." And then we do it anyways. And I was like, he just forces me out there. I didn't want to be with him. And yeah, he did the same thing. He forced me on the couch, and he said, "You're so unguarded." It's exactly. Like, what am I supposed to do? I'm a frail woman. And he throws me on the couch. I, w- I did not like that at all. I, I, was, I was expecting the camera crew to stop this man from, from doing this to me. And my boyfriend didn't do nothing about it. And I, Coward. I will tell you. I call the police. <laughs> I call the police on that Shinya. So I hope he enjoys rotting in, in, that, in that jail. Did your boyfriend do anything for you? No, he was overseas. That's true. He waited, Shinya waited until Takumi was overseas, and then he threw me on that couch. I didn't like it at all. I didn't like it at all. Anyways, yeah, roommates. Um, so yeah, if you like, if you like cute boys, <laughs> there you go. If you like, uh, you know, feeling a little bit uh, uncomfortable and a little forward, you get a little Shinya in your life. If you look a little brooding, strong man, Takumi, if you're looking for a little pretty boy, 
uh, owie. You can have some fun, mostly in first-person perspective, checking out these boys and their fun adventures and their aspirations and their desires for you as the viewer. Um, but yeah, it's it's roommates on the same vein as uh, as one room. I, I enjoyed one room more, not so much because they're cute girls. Um, and not so much because I had a lot more fun trying to make up weird stories about them, <laughs> but more the idea that, uh, it kept that first person perspective view and it really kind of brought, I think it's original intention was bringing you into the, the, the story. But with this one, it just kind of, without that per- first, first person view, they didn't really kind of pull that off very well with this one. So I think they lost track of what they were trying to do, but it's interesting. Well, it's, okay, it's less, let, let, it's, it's it, less scary than, uh, 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 Makano Danchi. Yeah. But at the same time, we had a lot more fun laughing and being creeped out by Makano Danchi. I, now, to be clear, it is still in the first person perspective. It's the just, time. it's just that you're not having solo kind of discussions per se. No, because the camera's constantly all over the place and he's talking to you off camera. Like, he'll be talking to the left that where you're supposed to be. And you're way over on the camera it, it way is, over here. It is changing. It doesn't angles. always keep in first person. That's like I said. It kind of just lost that. Just like, no, let's not do that anymore. It's, it's it, this girl's not moving anywhere. I don't know. I don't know why. Anyways, it is changing angles. So I'll I'll agree with that. All right. Uh, that's that's roommate, and that's that's all. That's all the shows that we have for the uh, the spring 2017 season. Do you just want to jump through what we have for the? the carryovers and give our quick thoughts on how shows are panning out so far. That's fine. Let's see here. The, 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 the shows that are continuing on to the summer season, uh, my hero academia season two. Absolutely. I've I've been loving it. I loved the tournament season that they did with that one. I, I wasn't sure when most people were getting all excited about it, and I was like, eh, it's, it's a tournament. How can it be exciting? And they, <laughs> they, they did some really cool stuff with it. They, they pulled off this element of, what they were going for, what people were, what what was at stake with it, um, a lot of the the great moments with, um, I know I should have made an outline because I'm already forgetting names, uh, Deku and all the other characters, and it was really really cool. I was I was, I was actually very surprised by that that uh, that, and of course they're continuing on from there, and yeah, we'll see we'll see what it's going to take it from here. I'm I'm kind of curious what uh, what else they're going to do besides this tournament, so. Uh, recreators absolutely love it. Um, still love it. They had probably the best recap episode ever. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I kept hearing people say it's a recap episode. I'm like, oh crap! But they always followed it with, and it was probably the best recap episode ever. I'm like, what do they mean? And we're watching. I'm like, well, what's so special about this? And then suddenly out of nowhere, it kind of changes something. I'm like, oh, this is what they're talking about. Just so much humor thrown in there. It was it was hilarious. I love fourth it. and fifth wall breaking all out. <laughs> And it fit what they were doing, so it actually was really, really cool. So, I like that. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm absolutely still intrigued by that. It's it's very talky. Still very talky. Has great Sawano Hiroyuki music. Uh, great combat sequences. And it just it, it, it just has so much interesting dialogue that I just kind of soak up. Like the, you know, mankind creating these things, being seen as gods. Do they hate the world they created? And what the, the created feels about their creation? And being used for entertainment, how they're written, all that kind of stuff is really, really fascinating. I like it. Uh, Sakura Quest? Eh. I'm not quite there yet with it. Um, and I'm not, I'm hoping that here soon it kind of picks up. It's been, it's been, it's been a solid slice of life show. Don't get me wrong. 
but it it really doesn't hasn't really done too much to really hook me in. There's been some really cool moments in it though. I won't I won't say that. It's yeah, I, I I think it's it's doing really well. I'm very much enjoying myself watching that show. So, all right. Um, Sakurai's so reset. I haven't. It feels like I haven't watched that show in forever. I think they skipped a week. Um, that one picked up for me. I I was really not liking that show for probably the first what six episodes, and at some point it really picked up, and they started getting really clever with the abilities. It seemed like it moved away from the melodramatics that kind of ruined that first part for me. And I'm really, I'm really getting into it now. So, uh, thankfully, since my first impression, when I think I was very negative, it's been picking up for me finally. I'm kind of mixed on it. I, I'm sure, I, I'm sure at the end it'll probably pick up because it's got solid writing, and I, I, I think that something will carry through, especially with what we're seeing right now. There, it's, it's being becoming pretty interesting. And Rager Bahamut Virgin Souls. That Love it. fun. Lots of fun. <laughs> I it, it's a blast. It's the same as the original Rager Bahamut. Just it's great action, great fun. And just now it has a really, really goofy Nina girl that I absolutely love her goofiness. And how, how, how all hell technically is breaking loose. And she'll be worried about the stupidest things because she's <laughs> Nina. And she's, she's too pure. And she needs to be protected and coddled and loved because she's so pure. And Rita uh, is still epic. <laughs> yeah. I'm really upset with uh with what's his face and how he didn't recognize her. That was that was really sad. Asked her on a date and then didn't didn't actually ask her on a date for that reason. So <laughs> poor Rita. She has a heart too in that zombie body of hers. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that's all the shows they're carrying over. We'll, we'll do a full reviews. I didn't want to do like a full mid-season review because I feel those are usually kind of just uh, us repeating stuff from the first the the first impressions, and then we'll be repeated again with the final review. So just have to wait until the end of summer, and we'll give you our full thoughts on those shows. And uh, I think you're gonna, I think all those shows technically have a lot going for them, and I can't wait to talk about them. So that I think the summer. I, we haven't gotten too much into it yet, but I think the summer is already turning out to be great because it has these shows carrying over. I think that's a lot of people I've heard have that same viewpoint, is that uh, summer's getting pretty much uh, hit hard with these these shows carrying over. Uh, but yeah, that is all from the spring 2017 anime season. Thank you guys so much for sticking with us. We hope you guys enjoyed all of our review parts. Again, you can, if you haven't checked them out, you can check out part one and two where it has pretty much most all the shows carried or that were aired in spring 2017. Um, so I hope you guys enjoy all these reviews. Again, if you want to check out anything else we have, it's at otakuspirit.com. That's where you can go for all of our news reviews and coverage in an anime. So we'll our forum community at the top there, social media links on the right side, review button up there, so you can find shows particular that you're looking for and our article or podcast episode that will have the show you're looking for. Uh, just look for them based off their English title. Even if it does have a Japanese title, maybe they, like Sukiga Kidei, doesn't have a English title, even though it technically has a subtitle of, uh, what was it, The Beautiful Moon, something like that. I mean, of the, the moon, moon, so beautiful. So beautiful, yeah. They went with Tsukiga Kirai, so look by that. Uh, but yeah, we'll close with some song, and I want to come back for some quick discussion about Kato, because I do want to divulge a lot of stuff that has been on my mind, but are spoiler-related. So if you've watched Kato and you want to hear my full thoughts on it, maybe a little bit from Chris, definitely wait then. Maybe if there's any, is there any other shows that you want to talk about? So not given, really. It's not a we, not a list that is. <laughs> it was funny because when I was I was editing the last podcast, I realized that we only said we were going to talk about one show, and then we would talk about three shows. I'm like, ah, put timestamps. <laughs> so yeah, if you watch Kato, 
listen out to the music, and I'm going to talk a little bit about it, maybe Chris a little bit about it, and uh, we'll close out from there. So if you're not listening to that part, we thank you guys for listening. We hope that you all enjoyed, and you all take care. Os. we are back again if you have not watched Kato the right answer do not listen beyond this point because I'm going to talk full on spoiler we're going to talk about full on spoilers for the show and like I said earlier I think everybody should go at least give this a shot I don't want to spoil anything for people I think it's really really cool uh, so yeah if you've watched it you listen about this if you have not turn it off uh, yeah, the main things I want to talk about is the the things that really intrigued me um, I think the first one that I really enjoyed or the first really cool moment of the show was definitely uh, when they revealed the the WOM and how they kind of uh, pointed out the fact that you could tech- anybody could technically create WOM. And they had this girl named Shinawa who figured it out. And uh, it was really cool because everybody was kind of... The, the UN wanted it, and there was like this threat to attack uh, Japan over this, this unlimited energy source. And there was this constant idea of, well, how are we going to get it out to everybody? Because otherwise... You know the pe- the powers of the world will take it and they will keep those for themselves. It's obviously a resource that is going to be controlled. Even though the whole idea of it was to give it to everybody, and their answer to that was to go on national television and stream online this you know Shinawa, basically create it and show people how it's done. And it was like, yes, that was way cool how they did that. I mean, and it was even cool that they 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 how they animated. Shinobu actually doing that because I think they did it in 2D animation how she was crafting it together and it was really really cool um, but I thought that was like a absolutely like that was way cool I love that because you had like the entire yeah they were showing the UN and the government's going no why did they do that we wanted this to ourselves kind of thing and it was a yeah, it was a really, really cool. And of like course, that. America was probably was probably <laughs> at the middle of <laughs> throwing, all that. throwing birdies out at everybody because <laughs> we're so evil. Um, but yeah, that was that was one of my f- absolute favorite part. And that was I, was I think that was the moment where I was like, "This is a really spectacular show." I mean, I was I was loving the intrigue up to that point, but that was the point that was like, "Yes, I am sold. This is probably going to be a fantastic show." The the UN thing did w- was kind of interesting for me. I did like that. I thought it, it was one of those things that I really kind of loved the way that they were 
digging into the idea of would would the UN allow this to be a worldwide thing or would they try to take it for themselves? And I do think that they would try to take it for themselves. So it was an interesting little tidbit to get that in there. But my moment was really Sukai, Sukai's episode where she said, Shindo, let me take you to the side and let me give you my my case for why you should go and tell Zasarina we don't want what you're giving us. And it was one of the best episodes of this show. I I fell in love with Sukai. So y- you can't have her as your waifu no more. She is my waifu. I fell in love with her so hard. It's so mean because it was like <laughs> I fell in love with her the moment that she broke out laughing at the table for Deli when they were actually when they were talking about what they were going to do, and it was like she just no, you don't laugh. get her. You don't get her because she's and then, your waifu longer. No, she's mine. No, because it was longer. And then she's and then he's showing the video of her cracking up laughing, and he's she's all getting embarrassed over it. I'm like, this is really cool. And you're like, no, I hate all these characters. They're so boring. And I'm like, this Sukiai girl's cute. What are you talking about? And you're like. Oh, there was an episode with a family, and it got really personal with her. I suddenly like the show, and I love her. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it was it was really a great episode where she really did take it back to look. This is what it is about the world that we should accept and that we should love and that we should cherish these things. And it was such an excellent episode getting into. Um, kind of bringing the two forces that were kind of actually the real things that they were trying to, what I feel is they they were trying to bring out of this story was advancement toward versus traditional. What, what is, what is really where humanity is going to go? Yeah. Technically Shindo was the negotiator for Zashina and Sukai was the negotiator for mankind basically. And so you really did have, this is what mankind has made and this is what I want to us to focus on. Let's keep making mankind. You're trying to bring in things that are going to advance us. You know, we don't need this stuff. We shouldn't have this stuff. We should create this stuff ourselves. And that was really cool. Like I was mentioning with the review, is like that was one of those cool aspects that I liked was this element of what does mankind think of unlimited power? What does mankind think of never having to sleep? What does mankind think of being able to control the physics of the universe. <laughs> I mean, these are things, and that was the thing that was constantly jumping in my head. It's like, oh my gosh, what if everybody could control the, the laws of the universe? That would be havoc. What if mankind, all of the, the nations had unlimited power? How quickly would they make weapons out of it? I mean, these are things that are dangerous. Um, if nobody had to sleep, they would be constantly moving. We might be, you know, too overworked. We might eat, consume too much. We might, I mean, and of course he was laying out these things of like, you wouldn't overconsume. And it was cool, but they were actually thinking about that. Like, no, they wouldn't overconsume because then they would, they would be working more and they would be producing these things. Or no, I have this other technology that controls the laws of the universe. And so you would, you would have unlimited foods. You don't have to worry about never sleeping. I mean, these things were constantly being bounced around. They were constantly bringing up things that I didn't think that they would end up bringing up that they did. So yeah, you, you skipped my, my other thing that I, the, the next moment that I really, really loved, which was the, t- the TV broadcasting of the, uh, what was it called the uh, San- the Sansa? The Sansa was the the brain thing that 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 made it to where people acknowledged their their parallel self or something like that, which made it to where they never had to sleep. And it was really cool that they did a perspective of like suddenly your television when you're watching this anime is the broadcast of them revealing 
the Sansa to the world. And they had the letters all over that said, be aware, what, continue, if you continue to watch this, something physical of yourself will be altered. You know, watch it, you're on risk. And I was like, wow. I I just thought of like, it might, it went through my mind, mind of like, would I continue watching if this was technically a real broadcast? And that's what I posted on the Twitter was, would you continue watching it, knowing full well that warning, because you're interested? Would you not watch it and be like, no, hell no, I ain't done none of this stuff? Or would you just wait? And I think most people were like, yeah, I'll just wait. We'll see, we'll, I'll see how, you know, my neighbor reacts to this whole thing. I'll, I'll let him deal with it for about when a week. When he turns into a zombie, I want to know. Yeah. When, we, when we suddenly find out that people, everybody that used Sansa got cancer or or died of, or of exhaustion or something or or they're exploded or become a zombie, yeah. Um, but yeah, it really did. It did really did have me thinking: Would I keep watching this? And it was it was truly fascinating in that regard to to really pull that into my my uh, mind as I was watching that. So really, really loved that too. But yeah, I guess the the elephant in the room was uh, probably de- now. Like I said, I I thought that the whole yeah he's a he's a he's this anisotoron being anisotropic. That's the that's what the what the 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 he is <laughs> Zashuna is an anisotron and they are the anisotropic so everything he's bringing is the anisotropic knowledge which is like this otherworldly knowledge but yeah he's trying to bring he they're from this 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 outside the universe they created all the universes in these cocoons to kind of test them and see what would come of them and of course mankind was the only case that this knowledge was being developed and so it it piqued their interest so they came down uh technically sukai came down first to see what was going on and then was reborn and met multiple times throughout the time until she became sukai but zashun zashun was the one that came down to kind of try to pull them back into the anisotron or the uh the uh anisotropic, anisotropic. And that was, I was like, yeah, okay, they're the creators, mankind's what they created, they're test subject, basically, Zasuna wants to be, you know, shocked and, 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 and it wants to be shocked by Shindo, is interested in being uh, intrigued, wants to, wants to see what mankind will do, and eventually wants to bring them all into the, the tropic. But yeah, that was, I was like, okay, that's all right. That's, that's pretty cool. They did a pretty cool little episode where they did the whole cool little, you know, uh, Sukai's conversation with the others and, and her decision that was kind of cool. And the reveal was like, okay, that's all right. I, I, I'm okay with this. I, I wasn't really expecting too much from the overlying plot, but this works good enough. It's not that it's overly done. It's just more of an idea of it does it Okay. Um, and so I'm like, but please stick a cool, stick a cool landing. I want to see something cool. Yeah, and I kind of like the fact that it kind of slowly was showing uh, Zashunina as he was kind of technically learning uh, love, learning friendship, learning bonds, human bonds, and that's what he was getting from Shindo. He's, he he created a bond with Shindo. So even though he wanted to discard him, that hurt him, and he realized that it hurt him, and he wanted Shindo to be with him, and that was really cool. I like that that. Here's a sentient being, this being that has no emotion, learning human emotion through Shindo. And I like that. That was really cool. That was that that was that moment that even though they were doing this typical story, it was doing something cool with it. And that's what we always talk about. It's a couch, but it does something cooler with the couch. And then like I said, I was I was I was like, but what are they gonna do with this? Are they gonna kill Zashina? 
Are they going to is are they going to fix Sashina's heart and he's suddenly going to love and just leave them be? Um, what are they going to do with the technologies? Are they going to leave it there and just say, and everybody had mom and everybody was peaceful? But no, I they thought they were going to surprise him and he was going to change his mind yeah, about all that. Just, just a surprise and suddenly he's good. <laughs> but no, I, I truly expected it was going to be Shin. I was like, if you kept with the the main story plot, which is that Shindo is this negotiator, he's going to negotiate with Jashunina. And that would be fine with me because that would fit with Shindo. Shindo's going to figure out something really cool that will be the perfect, you know, win-win with uh, Zashunina. But no, they kind of said, nope, <laughs> Shindo's gone. And I'm like, okay, what are they doing now? Something weird's happening here. What's what's going to be the yeah, fix? The, the, that then, was yeah, my first, that was up, my first like, twist. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> that was my first twist was was Shindo dying. And then the second twist was right after that when, when the car drove up. Well, I figured it was, now it made sense why Shindo's plan failed. I was like, okay, that they, they said it's within the, the realms of the Kado. Uh, the rules were broken. You didn't realize where you were at. Your plan failed. Um, but then I was like, okay, so is Sukai going to go nuts? Fight Shin, uh, Sashina? Resurrect Shindo? What's going to happen here? But yeah, car rise up. <laughs> and then there's Shindo's true plan was to really shock Zashina, which was, you know, baby Shindo and Sukai coming out with, you know, old man Hanamori. Oh, by the way, we just time capsuled the two of them after we had the baby. We put it in this capsule. He raised them for... What turns out to be 16 years in this, what, uh, I don't know, whatever, hyperbolic how long was, an hour time long chamber. time frame. <laughs> yeah, they basically, this hour turned out to be 16 years, so it, it worked out perfect for us. He came in, she's now old enough to be able to fight. She comes out, wrecks Zashina, because anime, anybody that is born from human and something else becomes super overpowered. Have you watched Dragon Ball Z? <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, it was... It was really epic because it was it was definitely the uh, what, what was it they said it was uh, we 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 transitioned we transitioned or something like that we we uh, transcended or something like that it was like okay yeah that, that makes sense it was really cool um, it was a, it was like I said it was something that it it fit to what they were doing Shindo wanted to shock Zashina so it's only natural that I be shocked as well <laughs> and so if I'm shocked. I'm sure that he's shocked, and the 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 end result is pretty cool. So, but she she was pretty epic. No, the the thing that we were talking about during the review, well, in, for me anyways, for the the ending was, yeah, it sucked that technically Shindo died, but it was cool that it kind of had this element of the daughter technically. Uh, what do they say that she 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 seen past the physical or something like that. I think it was basically saying seeing seeing beyond the the conceivable or something like that that she was able to to converse with Shindo like she's able to see beyond the physical to Shindo and I think I think at the end it kind of hints that Sukai is figuring that as well so it kind of it it my what it, what I interpreted the ending was is that even though Shindo died he was still technically with them and they were able to be with him in some way Oh I didn't get that so, yeah, it was even worse for me because I was like, <laughs> dadgummit, why the heck did we give Sukai, uh, Shindo to Sukai and then take him away? What the heck? Well, the reason why I say that is because the daughter was speaking to Shindo at the end. She said, yeah, he's he's actually, he, he was an all right guy. He wasn't all bad. That's what she said. Right. She was talking to Shindo after you died. 
She said, yes, you're right. Mm. Jeshunin is not technically a bad guy. Yeah, I do remember that scene. Now, I, I would, just thought it was one of those. <laughs> no, because I can see somebody seeing that as her responding to something he told her before. But technically, if it was the way it was laid out was that they had the baby and Hanamori took the baby into the time capsule base. Not time capsule, but they're, they're t- we're calling it time capsule. In the time capsule, and they hadn't seen her for 16 years because they had been going to fight Zashrina. And they were delaying that for the sake of that time passing by so quickly in there. She turns 16. It's time. It, or, well, they just say it's 16. I don't think they were looking for specifically 16. But that was the behavior that she was. And she came out of there. But it was it was planned because they came through at that time. To, time time jumps never work. It worked. <laughs> I loved it. I like how they kind of show this little kind of like makeshift time capsule that has all the the things to make her have a happy life in there with him. And Hannah, it was funny because at some point Hannah Mori was like, uh, "That's my daughter." And I'm like, "What? Did I miss something? No, no, it's not your daughter. You just you just took care of her for 16 years. But she's technically my daughter because I took care of her for 16 years." Um, I would like, I, 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 the only thing that I kind of wish I kind of seen more was like, what, where did, uh, the daughter go and what did she, is she going to the anastropics maybe, or cause they, they said she just kind of left. She had something that she wanted to go do. And I was like, eh, I would kind of like to see what, what she's planning on doing. Is she going to see basically half herself, her, half of her people, or is she just wanting to explore the world because she's been in that capsule the entire time. Uh, but she was epic. And I kind of wish that they maybe did like an OVA or something like that it would be cool. But cool stuff. But yeah, that's that's pretty much all of why I love this show. <laughs> so everybody hear me gush and uh, didn't have, see the same way. Now you know kind of why I, I loved it. It was it was really cool seeing all that stuff kind of unfold over time was really cool. And even like characters like uh, Inotaba, you know his his leading people and trying to uh, basically keep away the powers of the world while they try to figure out these things that they're being giving them and what to do with them um how the world reacts how the people around them react advances of mankind not advanced mankind all that stuff is really really cool so anything else nope all right yeah that's uh that's some spoiler talk for kato hope you guys enjoyed again that's that's it for the the spring 2017 season we hope you guys enjoyed and you all take care oh
I've got a water bottle. Dang it, Chris. I know, right? I just started. I know, right?